Welcome, Dragons, to another bonus episode of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. We are here today to talk about our reactions to X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, I am here today with Joe Hogan from the Geektitude podcast. Say hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Hi, everybody. And Rachel Bolin, uh, contributing blogger on the Dumbbells and Dragons blog. Hi, Rachel. Hello. All right, so we all saw X-Men Apocalypse this past weekend. Um, for those of you who have not seen it yet, um, we do need to let you know that there will be some spoilers in this episode. So if you haven't seen it and you care about spoilers, pause the podcast, go see the movie, come back. Uh, the good news is Joel Chorney does get to listen to this episode because he has actually <laughs> seen this movie, but he still hasn't seen Marvel Civil War so this is for Joel. Iron Man dies. <laughs> okay. Also, that's that's ridiculous that he hasn't seen Civil War. And also to everyone listening, if you haven't seen Apocalypse, Joel Torney saw it. You can see it. If he can find time, <laughs> you can find time. <laughs> uh, and apparently, his wife got mad because he made plans to see it without her. What, Joel? <laughs> right. Oh, we need to have Joel on an episode and just talk about Marvel Civil War. Yes. Uh, Okay, so what was everyone's instant reactions to X-Men Apocalypse? Uh, My instant reaction was, okay. (laughs) That was, that was, I was, meh, okay. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. Um, Like, the the X-Men, men fanboy in me was like i i could enjoy it but as as a movie it was fair yes i'm kind of with you there were some times where i was like oh this is great i thought some of the acting was really 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 well done and then there were other times where i'm like jennifer lawrence you've been nominated for an academy award let's put some effort into this right (laughs) There, there's sometimes I just thought she was phoning it in, but I love her and she's a great, she's a great Raven, a great mystique. So I, I, so my friend Andrew that I went to see the movie with made a really good point, um, that I think that this movie suffered from its release date because it's, it's released after civil war. I think that if this movie had been released before Civil War, but after Batman versus Superman, that I would have been like, that was a great movie. It was really fun. But I think just coming right after Civil War, which was such a fun movie, but also a really smart movie, I felt like this wasn't <laughs> a smart movie. And so that that suffered. No, I can, yeah. I can definitely see that. I can agree with that. Yeah, I feel like it's um, a little bit... I don't know. I think a lot of Marvel movies that are not in the Marvel universe, like the they've got Disney Marvel has their stuff down. They they've released everything out, I think, at a good pace. I feel like 
all the other companies that try and do Marvel movies, they try and put too much into a single movie, and then you don't really get enough of anything to make yeah. it significant. Yes. Yeah. I felt like this movie was at all at once too long and too short. Like, overall, it was too long, but at the same time, so many of the individual storylines to me felt shortchanged and like the character development felt really shortchanged. Like I wanted, I wanted more scenes with the bad guys to like try to understand why they're being bad guys. But yet I I don't know. I, I wanted to know how Angel got trapped into um, the fighting. I wanted to see how Nightcrawler, how they caught Nightcrawler. I wanted more from Storm. Mm-hmm. I wanted. Yeah, again, Storm gets underutilized. Like, I don't know how you. She's she's one of the biggest X Men in X Men continuity ever. Like, she's one of the main characters that just never goes away, and they don't do any. They have yet to do a Storm character that has any significance to the movies. Yeah, and and I I really wanted more from Olivia Munn and Psylocke. Oh, I uh, completely agree. I was so disappointed with her character because, well, for one thing, because I, you know, a couple of weeks ago she had that interview where she made that comment about how, like, she turned down the girlfriend role in Deadpool because she didn't want to just play a girlfriend. And then I watched this movie and I'm thinking, you had five lines. Your character has no motivation, no agency. You're just doing what Apocalypse tells you to do. And you look like a dominatrix the whole time. Like, this, yeah. this is... This is not, like, some meaty role. And I don't know if maybe they just cut a lot of her stuff. Well, I think – I hope they're setting her up for, for – to we're, we're going to see her in the future because if this is it for the Psylocke character, that's that's a waste uh-huh. because she's a phenomenal character. I was, I was bummed – and here's – last chance for spoilers, people. I was bummed that they finished off Angel. I mean he's not the most yeah. interesting of the X-Men characters, but – like there, havoc. I understand getting rid of the character. It makes sense so that the Cyclops character can move forward. But um, but Angel was just a waste. Like let Angel and and Psylocke escape so we can see them later on. Yeah. Did how did Angel die? Or did he die? Um. Oh man, we should know this, right? <laughs> I th- I think you could make an argument that he's not actually dead, but he did crash when the, when the plane crashed, he was stuck in it. He was still in the plane. Yes. Okay. And Psylocke got out. I do think she's going to be involved in future movies just because of how they made a point of showing her slink away. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you don't do that unless you're like, okay, audience needs to know this bad guy is still out there. Um, well, that's the thing. She's not a bad guy. And, and, I, I understood the the need to use those characters as villains um, in this particular story, but it like we needed to see the same change in Storm that we did. We needed to see that in Psylocke and Angel before the end of the movie. Yeah. Well, and I think with Psylocke, like we didn't even see her like really making like a we d- we didn't even understand why she was joining Apocalypse. Just like okay, well this guy is powerful and like wants to use your power. And so you're like, all right, I'll go with this guy. Like it didn't, I don't know. It didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also 
I didn't know what her power was for for the entire movie. I thought she like because whenever her and Apocalypse and everybody were like time warping or whatever, teleporting, his mm-hmm. the the energy field that was around them was the same color as Psylocke's blade and whip and whatever. I was like, oh, she can teleport. And then I was like, oh, it's not her power. And I was really confused with that the entire movie. Because I'm yeah. not, I, I'm not an X-Men guy. I've My extent of the X-Men goes to the astonishing X-Men arc that Joss Whedon wrote that was the basis of X2. And then watching all the X-Men movies and the Wolverine movies. So with that exposure, I had no idea what was going on with her powers. Yeah, they didn't do a great job of explaining her at yeah. all. And wasn't Angel in X2? Mm-hmm. Was, isn't he the source? No, of he was in X3, I think. Yeah, he was in the third one. Okay. The so, one that we've all blocked out of our memory. All right. So, yes. Joe, maybe you can answer this, because I know, I know you listen to Jane Miles explain the X-Men, and I know you're a big X-Men guy. Um, yeah. Are we ignoring the original trilogy? Does that no longer have any basis in in these movies? Yes and no. Basically, you have the original movie, which was good for its time, and that was the one that introduced Rogue and um, and Wolverine, and you know the basic, the original one. Then you had uh, this X. The second X movie, which was, as you said, I think based on the Joss Whedon run, and um, that was a decent movie. It was, it did, it did what it needed to do. It was more of a Wolverine movie than it, an X Men movie, but it's, it's okay. It did what it needed to do. Um, then you had the third one, which, as as Rachel said, we, we just ignore because it killed off a whole bunch of characters it didn't need to kill off. It tried to do too many uh, stories. Altogether, it ruined one of the best X-Men stories of all time. And so that's – we basically felt that it was – you know, if you're a big X-Men fan, you were like, okay, that's the end of the X-Men film franchise. So when they brought the – yeah. So when they brought the James McAvoy uh, X-Men first class back in, it was like, okay, this is a different take. This is interesting. Everybody just kind of assumed it was in a different universe. But then Mystique looks like the Mystique from uh, the original movies, so it's like, all right, what are they doing there? Um, When we had Days of Future Past, basically what that did is not – it was a soft reboot, kind of like Star Trek had the soft reboot where it's technically in the same universe, but – but now they can go forward with it and not worry about having messed up – the original the, the franchise. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So can you – I have a follow-up question about that because I just rewatched Days of Future Past um, like the week bef- – like two weekends ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it it's still a great movie. I really enjoyed it. But it actually – the plot didn't hold up as much. It was the first time I'd seen it since theaters and it didn't hold up as well for me. Um, why is it that – and this – spoilers for Days of Future Past if you're listening. Um, why is it that when Logan wakes up, at the end. So he's back 
at the professor at the school and everything like we're back in the original timeline and I read I remember reading things online like are we to assume that like when he wakes up like is this like after the first X-Men movie after X2 like because we're clearly clearly when Logan wakes up at the end of Days of Future Past like X3 has not happened like why is that or is that just like the storyteller is like let's ignore that movie I oh go ahead Joe well, I think I think it's basically the idea is I th- I think it's supposed to he's supposed to wake up after X2 and the idea is is that because they changed things in the past the 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 dark future with the Sentinels that we see in Days of Future Past with um that that they're sending Wolverine back from is what happens because the third movie happened. And so by undoing the things in the 70s that they undid it kind of created a ripple so the stuff that happened in x3 didn't happen yeah the the way i kind of saw it was it uh it created an alternate timeline that splintered off and so essentially we could either assume that x1 and x2 still happened and x3 didn't happen or those three still happened, but in a completely different timeline. Okay. Yeah, and I think it's the first rather than the second. I don't think it. I I think that they're going with they just didn't happen or they happened differently, and those those movies technically happened but have been undone. So, but then in relating to that, so then Apocalypse, this movie that that we're talking about today, happened before the original X-Men. So in theory, so in theory, like when we go back and watch the original X-Men and X2, we're looking at a universe where the apocalypse storyline has already happened. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that, that was, um, whenever you get into time travel, it's always a tricky situation. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's complicated, but I think it was a good move because it allows them to, play with the characters and do interesting things with them and, and actually tell some of the interesting stories. I don't know that apocalypse did that, but <laughs> theoretically it did leave right. them that those options. So can we talk a little bit about that story? Because I, one of the things about this movie that disappointed me is I just felt like there was no, like what was the narrative arc here? It's just like apocalypse is like, ah, oh, I'm evil. I have to take over the world, obviously. And, like, that was pretty much it. <laughs> there was just, like, no depth to it whatsoever. Well, I, th- I what I got from it was the, as always, you know, people want to destroy the world and make a better one. I just think he wanted, he wanted to create a stronger world. And I think I was talking with Guy about this, and it was just he... His intentions, while misplaced, were he just wanted to make things better. I mean, in the Hitler sense of the word. Well, Apocalypse's Apocalypse's whole thing is that he is all about survival of the fittest. And he sees um, mutants as the supreme race. But not from the idea that they are powerful but the fact that their powers allow them to survive better than humans if he finds a really 
like strong human that that can survive a lot of things and has gone through a lot of stuff and and has survived he sees that person as strong and will will you know either give him powers or you know elevate him in his hierarchy or whatever it happens to be but his whole thing is survival of the fittest so even mutants you know he's about calling the weak from the strong and um and so that's his mo but it makes him a very one-dimensional character And so a lot of the apocalypse stories in the comic books that are interesting are the ones where he's behind the scenes as kind of the motivating factor behind whatever's going on. So, you know, in the 90s, they have a great parallel uh, universe story where basically um, Charles Xavier is killed in the past and for – the entire summer, all the X titles became Age of the Apocalypse, and, and they existed in a world where um, because Charles Xavier didn't start the X-Men, uh, Apocalypse just kind of took over. And all of a sudden you have this really cool alternate reality where Apocalypse is pulling the strings, but every single story was amazing because he wasn't fighting it. He was the figurehead in the background that was running all the different things, and so each title was fighting you know, his minions, and those minions had their own stories, and that's what made it dynamic. Apocalypse, as his own character, is kind of just dull. Yeah, I kind of got that vibe, and I like the one thing that I, I did really like is I, and I wanted more of, was Magneto's arc, and I, I liked that because, you know, that's like always his struggle, right? His struggle is always the, between choosing good and choosing evil. And, and so I, I liked that. I thought he had a more dynamic story than Apocalypse himself. I mean, on the one hand, I think we all kind of knew that at the end he was going to help his friends. But um, I guess that was, I, I don't know. I guess that was the other thing. I knew that Apocalypse wasn't going to win. I knew he wasn't going to take over the world. I knew that or I suspected that none of our main heroes were going to die at the end of this movie. And so in that respect, it kind of didn't have, I didn't feel like there were real stakes in the movie. Yeah. I'm with one you. of the things. Oh, oh go ahead. I'm no, sorry. No, I, did, I long pause. I figured I'd jump in, but go ahead. <laughs> now go Joe. Um, I, I think one of the big problems is, again, is that idea that they tried to do too much. They tried to int- reintroduce, um, Cyclops and Gene. Um, they tried to do this whole, uh, Magneto plot. I, I feel like in, in your coverage of Captain America Civil War, and, and as well as mine on, on my podcast, I think both groups brought up the idea that it was amazing that both Spider-Man and Black Panther had these amazing story arcs that really created and and made the characters interesting and, and had a full beginning, middle, and an end. And we introduced a whole bunch of characters in here, and none of them really had a story arc. Psylocke never had a story arc. Um you know, you kind of got an idea of who Nightcrawler was and who Cyclops and Jean Grey were. But out of them, the only one who has a kind of a real story arc out of any of them is Jean. And it doesn't feel very natural. It feels very forced. 
So I think that's one of the big failings of this movie is that if you're going to introduce all of these characters, and I, I think as I saw the list of characters that were going to be in this movie grow and grow and grow over the last year, I'm like, okay, this is going to be a rough one because there's no way you can insert all of these characters into the story and have us care about them because we've only known them for an hour and a half. Yeah, I think that that's right. And I I actually, I think that they did a good job with Jean and with Cyclops. I did like them. And I, I actually was I was not on board with Cyclops when the movie started. I was like, ugh, who's this kid that they cast? But then I actually really liked him, and I thought he did a good job. And I thought Sophie Turner did a good job as Jean, even though I it, there was some debate among my friend group whether we were seeing her as Jean Grey or just seeing her as like a sassier version of Sansa Stark. And I think that I was seeing her as a sassier version of Sansa. But mm-hmm. um, but I did like both of them. But I I do agree that a lot of the other char- characters like. They just didn't have the arc that they should have had. Um, and like Nightcrawler, I really like Nightcrawler. I wanted to know more about him. Um, but it's just they there was just too much going on and there just wasn't the time to naturally grow those characters. And and I need to I need to point out something that we said earlier about the alternate timelines. If Days of Future Past ends at the end of X2 They've already met Nightcrawler, and because Nightcrawler was in X two when they found him in the church, and that's our first introduction to him. Mm-hmm. So, this, oh yeah, this would have to rewrite that as well, right? Well, well, but well, I haven't watched X two in a while, but it's us. It's our as the audience. It's our first time meeting Nightcrawler. Is there an indication from the characters that they have not met Nightcrawler before? Or could it, could they exist in the same universe? It's possible. No, like, they they definitely. It's the first time they've met mm, okay. Nightcrawler in X two. But you know, it makes sense if they've written. You know, there's ripples anytime you mess with with time. Right. So it, it would explain why everything's different in the future because the past is now completely different. And and I I think where you had asked earlier has has. Apocalypse's movie already happened when the other two has happened. I think that you can assume that because of Days of Future Past, we now got the Apocalypse event as opposed to when we saw the original three movies. They probably hadn't – that probably hadn't happened yet. Right. I see. That's fair. Okay. I'm Um, with you. But uh, is it – with with, – getting back to um, Gene and Sophie Turner – uh, I kept, I was like, her American accent was, <laughs> I kept, I, like, it kept pulling me out. Um, but I also, I didn't, did the Phoenix storyline seem rushed to you, Joe? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we shouldn't be doing Phoenix yet. If you're going to do Phoenix, commit to Phoenix. You know, they did, they did a terrible job with her in, in the third movie. And I was like, okay, it's fine. I think it, it's a little bit of a, a, a rushed plot. And unless you're going to – don't do Phoenix unless you're going to do the full Phoenix story and do it well. Yeah. yeah and, it, oh, go ahead, Rachel. Well, I was just going to say – and you know, obviously I, I'm, com- I'm not as into the comic storylines as you are, Joe, so you know more than I do. But for me, it just sort of felt like her powers just came out of nowhere. Like – I mean, I, I know her, I know her 
deep powers and all that. And, you know, she's, she's so incredibly powerful, but in this movie, like as I'm watching it, you know, she obviously has something like going on in her mind, but we don't really get a huge glimpse of that. And then at the end, it's just like, Oh, by the way, I'm amazing. And I have like all the power here in the world and I can destroy apocalypse. And I'm like, okay, like I I know that Jean Grey is really powerful, but if I, if I didn't know that, if I was going to this movie blind, I'd be like, who the hell is this girl? Like, how is this (laughs) happening? Yeah, it was a little, a little deuce Machina-esque, uh-huh. where it was just kind of like, all of a sudden, you've got all the power. <laughs> just all of it, just right there. Here you go. Take it. It's yours now. And what, what was Apocalypse's original power? In the comic books, I believe he can control every molecule of his body, which basically allows him to be very Mr. Fantastic X. Esque. Um, but that's another problem with Apocalypse as a character because his powers are basically whatever they need to be at that time. Yeah. Uh, like the god power. Yeah, it really is. And I was like, why does he need this giant golden metal cube pyramid thing to yeah. work? You're going to get tired of me in the comics. Um, But in the comics, he also uses a lot of uh, celestial technology, and I think that's what that was supposed to be. Okay. Um, Can we can we just agree? Like, can we maybe petition Hollywood that we are no longer allowed to to have things be set in ancient Egypt when people when they're just going to CGI the shit out of it? And (laughs) it looks terrible. (laughs) Like when when the scene opens in ancient Egypt. I'm like, this is not going well already. <laughs> I think, I, Kenny, I texted you when the movie was over, but like five minutes in, I'm like, this is not going well. <laughs> this is this is off to a bad start. I just let's not do this anymore, guys. Like, let's not CGI pyramids. Let's just let's, we're just let's just say no from now on. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. I do. I was actually really intrigued at the. Essentially, the Rube Goldberg machine that they made to destroy the pyramid. Yes. <laughs> I was like, yes. I was just like, this is really cool, and I wish I was there because I want to see how they did this. And then all these pillars, I want to see how the pyramid was built, and I just want to go and like play around in there before it got destroyed. Sad face. Sad face. Uh, <laughs> how did you guys feel about the Wolverine cameo? predictable i i dug it because it's been so long since i've watched um any of the wolverine movies that i don't know how he escaped and so this answers that question for me but again if if this is just some sort of if we still include the original X-Men, then it makes it weird that Gene doesn't recognize Logan. So Yeah, I think that's another I think that's another uh good good point. And I think that that's another thing that has to put this in a different timeline than the original trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. It bumps it off center, definitely. I mean I, I 
Go ahead, Rachel. Well, I, th- I felt like they had, like, for whatever reason, you know, Hugh Jackman has to appear in all of these movies. Um, <laughs> so they had to find a way to get Wolverine in the movie. But obviously he can't really be actually interacting with them because the Jean Grey thing is then really creepy because she's like 16. Um, and so I guess, like, this is a this is the solution to that. Like, well, have him be like, a, you know, mindless train killer at this current moment. And then, you know, that'll solve that. But I also didn't, again, they put him in every movie, fine. I didn't feel like it was necessary, necessary. Like, I I was like, oh, great, it's Wolverine. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you're right, because the only purpose of having the the that flight crew come in and kidnap them and then that entire scene in the bunker was just to set up the next Wolverine movie. Yes, absolutely. Actually, I don't think it was. And um, this is why. Because did you guys stay for the stinger at the end? Yes. Yes. Okay. So um, the suitcase has like Essex corpse on it or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, and – Nathaniel Essex is Mr. Sinister, and his whole thing is genetics. He's basically an apocalypse flunky in the comic books, and where apocalypse is like, we're going to create the master race by destroying everybody who's weak and letting the the strong rise up. Um, Mr. Sinister is all about genetics, and he's like, okay, we will just make it ourselves. We'll make humanity stronger by messing with your genetics and he's obsessed with um the genetic potential between gene gray and scott summers so that's that's his mo the fact that he takes wolverine's blood suggests that he's going to be cloning um wolverine into x23 which is one of the wolverine clones and she is the new and current Wolverine in the comic books because they have since killed off Logan in the comic books. So I think that may be a little bit of why, other than the gratuitous, we need Wolverine in all our movies reason, I think it did set up the potential of we can't have Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine forever and ever. We need to bring somebody else in and that's how we did it in the comics, so let's do it in the movies. So it's very possible that within either Gambit, if that's still happening, or um, or the next X-Men movie, we will get a new Wolverine. Okay, I can, I can see that. Then that makes it not as just gratuitous. Yeah, I, I'm okay with that, if that's the setup, if that's what they're actually doing. But I, that's, a, that's a good move. I support that. Is that what? What do we know about the next Wolverine movie, if anything? I believe it's going to be based on the comic Old Man Logan. Yeah, and that I haven't read, so I don't know much about that. Yeah, but if anybody has read it, feel free to add into the comments and let me know because if I should read it. Yeah. And but that is definitely going to be Hugh Jackman, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, which is. So sad because Hugh Jackman just gets more and more buff with every Wolverine movie he does. I know. How is that possible? <laughs> well, I mean, like the the workout regimens 
they put these people through for the only one who didn't have any problem with it was Chris Hemsworth, who apparently like like just ballooned up. He just like his natural genetics. It was just like, bam. And they had to redo the costume because the costume didn't fit him anymore. Um, But I mean, Chris Evans talks about how that's why he was really not wanting to do um, Captain America too many more times because it just it's not it's not an easy thing to do. Yes, but for Chris Evans, it really paid off. Yeah. Oh my god, that, that <laughs> helicopter scene. <laughs> no. Um, he had a bicep curl helicopter. But Hugh Jackman, he just he's actually just taken to the lifestyle, and he pretty much stays that way year-round now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I feel like Hugh Jackman would be a great guest for the podcast, Kenny. Oh my gosh, if anyone can hook that up, I will get him on here. Let's get him on here. (laughs) (laughs) I'll send an email. That has to be... That has to be... That can't just be a regular um, episode, though, Kenny. It has to be like you with all of us kind of just sitting off the side drooling and... (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Hugh Jackman. Mr. Jackman, we so love you. Yeah, but then I would spend the entire time talking to him about the boy from Oz. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he would love that, I'm sure, because he loves his musical theater. Yeah, it's a great show. All right, uh, so one of the things that I loved best about this is I kind of thought for the limited, for the limited type of character, Oscar Isaac did a great job. Mm-hmm. And I just feel he's kind of Hollywood's new it guy. I mean, he was in this. He's in Star Wars. He did some great indie stuff, a.k.a. Ex Machina. Oh, so good. So good. He's he's so creepy in that. Like, he bothered me in that one. I just yes. couldn't get over it. He just bothered me in that one. That is a... That's, an, that's maybe, I think, the best movie that I saw last year. Um, so if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, you should go out and watch it immediately because it's great. It's yeah, it's really an excellent good. movie. Yeah. Yeah, Oscar Isaac, he was good. I did like him. I mean, in this movie, I think he did a good job with what he had. Yeah. Um, I, you know, he's like also like hidden away be- behind like the makeup and CGI. So I kept forgetting that it's Oscar Isaac. <laughs> no, I... I actually didn't, because every time they did a close-up of his face, which happened like 30 times, I was like, True. I was like, oh, there he is. Hi, Oscar. What's <laughs> <laughs> man? The, oh, did you guys see it in 3D or 2D? 2D. 3D. Okay, Joe, how did you feel about the 3D? It was okay. I'm not a huge fan of 3D anymore. I think, like, it can really um, enhance the the depth of of what you're watching but is that a pun, sometimes if it, pun intended <laughs> pun intended <laughs> <laughs> but i i just feel like it's it's really dependent on where you go and where you see it and so for me it was okay but it always kind of gives it this cloudy hue to it and i wear glasses so it's that's another strike against it because they never quite fit over my glasses yeah quite right well I, I'm in the same boat. I'm not a big fan of 3D. I'm especially, like, I just don't think this movie did 3D well. Because mm-hmm. it throughout the movie, I just kept getting headaches. But, for example, I don't mean to compare it to Civil War. Civil War's 3D, uh, 
I didn't have any problems with, and actually, like, 10 minutes into the movie, I forgot I was watching it in 3D. Mm-hmm. So, I actually, I I would recommend people go see this one in 2D, except for the Quicksilver scene. Yeah. Where he's rescuing all the people. I thought that was so brilliantly done, and in 3D, it was a lot of fun. I don't know how it was in 2D, because I haven't seen it in 2D. Uh, it was great in 2D. I So, just in general, I'm very anti-3D, um, most, mostly just because I feel like most movies don't need it, and I feel like what you guys are talking about, like a lot of movies don't utilize it in a way that makes it worth it. Um, but it, So, in this, in this movie, I think that that scene would have been really cool in 3D. I can definitely see that. But even in 2D, it was great. I mean, and when I recently rewatched Days of Future Past, like, his scene in the Pentagon like stood out as like one of the highlights of that movie as well. And I, I thought that the scene here where he's rescuing everybody was really well done. Yeah. And I was actually, it was actually, a, it was hilarious. I just kept laughing um, at that scene, especially when he's like saving the fish and uh-huh. saving the dog and doing all that other yes. stuff. But then when you find out that he, forgot someone or he didn't find uh havoc yeah that was sad that, yeah yeah i was i was like oh heart-wrenching and do you joe it like they kept saying quicksilver is magneto's son mm-hmm. but part of me was like is this true is this kate because i didn't f- think that the reveal had a lot of weight to it well, they did. They did imply it in um, Days of Future Past, and yeah. and it 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 is canon. Like Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are are Magneto's children, but um, I I don't know it why they didn't tell him at the end. I I just don't get like it. I'm I'm not quite sure what the what the long game they're playing with that is. Yeah. Um. All right. What was everyone's favorite part? Um, I I really did like the the scene at the school. Um, I really like that. And I did, aside from the American accent, I did like Sophie Turner as Jean Grey a lot. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. so I would say those two things are probably my, or my favorites. I definitely like the the. I think they do battles well. I think the battles are fun to watch. I think that even even X3, as awful as that is, has you know pretty fun battle sequences, and because that's that's why you watch team uh, team comic book movies is because you want to see how they use their powers and interact and everything. Um, so I think I think I enjoyed just kind of the action part of it. If you can just turn off the oh I'm following a plot part of your brain <laughs> and. And just enjoy the action sequences. That was a lot of fun. Um, but for me, I think I enjoyed a lot of the little kind of nods to the comics that I recognized, like seeing um, Jennifer Lawrence in kind of a take on the classic Mystique costume, which, you know, you have to really know what you're looking for if that's to, to pick up on that. But I felt like it was kind of a nice little nod to to fans. Um are you talking about the blue skin or like one of the costumes she shifted into? 
at the very end when she's like telling the new group of X-Men, you know, forget everything you've learned to, up until this point, she has kind of a blue and white high collared uniform that has the um the fabric that drapes be- between the legs. Okay. And and that's that's the classic mystique costume and it's kind of just got a little bit of something on the side to hold otherwise the legs are bare it just it was just kind of one of those little authentic moments that you're like okay that's cool because i would have never thought especially based on the the character design of that character that we would ever see that costume but but there it is um so i think those little nods were kind of the 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 best thing i did like the gene cyclops dynamic I, I kind of just wanted to see them. Like, if it was just a movie of the young new kids um, discovering their powers and, and getting into trouble, I think I would have just adored this movie because those were the gems that, you know, that I loved. And I, I hate the fact that Jubilee was just seen. And the only reason why I was, she was in this movie is because of her 80s aesthetic. And that's it. Yeah, I was I when I saw her show up in the credits, I was like I was like I don't even know who this character is. And then I'm I'm assuming it was the the friend that mm-hmm. they were talking to because I was like I didn't even no one called her by name, I don't think. So I was yeah. like I was like where was this character? What was her power? So I guess that explains it. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> well, did you guys did you guys ever watch the 90s animated series? I did not. I think I'm, I think I'm the old man in the room. I, uh, I mean, I watched it a couple times, but not intensely when I was a kid. So I don't yeah, know a lot you, from it. If you grew up in the '90s, the Jubilee was your entry character into the X-Men. Just like if you grew up in the the '70s, it was um, Kitty Pride, Shadowcat. Um, and I think that's one of the things that a lot of these movies are missing is they don't have an entry point character. They don't have the character that's new to the situation that you as the audience member can kind of follow along with and get an idea of what's going on. They just kind of drop you in and go, all right, figure it out. Yeah. Okay. I can uh, I can see that. I think my favorite part um, of this movie was Michael Fassbender. Mm-hmm. He just oh always, well yeah he just he always they always put him through so much and I'm just like can't he have a good day can't he have just a nice relaxing year um, and when when we first saw him and he's like in in the middle of like nowhere Poland like wearing flannel like with like deer in his backyard I'm like I want that life with you Magneto I'll I'll move to Poland and be your girlfriend and we can feed the deer outside and I don't care if you're secretly evil and you have crazy powers oh Michael Fassbender I, I also enjoyed how Professor X finally came to grips with the fact that they need to have the X Men because mm-hmm. his whole yeah. thing was peace and blah 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 and it just reminds me of the saying that one would rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war and I, I like I get it Professor X you want us all to be at peace and not at war but you need to have some sort of 
defense skills or defense force. So I enjoyed that. Um, all right. Any last parting thoughts as we wrap we wrap up some apocalypse talk? Mm. Any any last digs at Joel Chorney? <laughs> Poor Joel. <laughs> we kid because we love. <laughs> also, I, I we need we do need to stop because everybody else who listens to this who doesn't know Joel doesn't know Joel is like, why are they always picking on this guy? <laughs> That's true. And Joe doesn't know Joel. So he could also I don't, be like, I don't. why do you guys pick on this guy? He seems nice. Well, no, I was going to say, it sounds like it sounds like he deserves it for whatever he did. <laughs> <laughs> I can jump on the bandwagon, too. Poor Joel. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Joe's on board. Uh, when I finally meet him, it's going to be like, oh, you're Joel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, any last parting thoughts on X-Men Apocalypse? No, I think we... I think we covered a lot. Covered it. Yeah, my 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 big thing is I hope that that this was kind of a transition movie and that whatever they do next um, holds up a little bit better than this one did. Agreed. Yeah, uh, and I hope they scale it back. I've yeah. said I've said numerous times that a lot of times the save the world from destruction storyline conflict doesn't do it a lot for me. Which is why I love Ant-Man and Civil War so much is because this, the stakes were kind of small and everything else was just, you don't have to save the world every day. Right. You know. Okay. Uh, any shout outs? Does anyone have anything they want to say to anybody listening out there or anything they got going on? Rachel? Um, I don't have any shout outs for people, but I just want to plug the blog uh, and remind, well, when is this going up, Kenny? Tuesday, uh, Wednesday? So today. Okay. Oh, it's going up today. Okay. Well, uh, then everyone make sure you watch Game of Thrones tonight and check out the recap on Tuesday. Um and also, we're going to have a June movie preview coming out tomorrow. I need to do that. Um, so look out for that as well. Independence Day resurgence. I can't wait. <laughs> we might have another bonus episode for that movie. Please. Because Jeff Goldblum is a dreamboat. He is a dreamboat. <laughs> Joe, anything you got going on? Well, this Thursday I'm posting uh, another uh, another article for Game, Game Plan. Plan. We'll we'll see. I'm honestly, this is usually I have a good idea of whether it's been a good two weeks or a bad two weeks, and this is going to be a this is going to be a surprise two weeks. We'll okay. see how it we'll see how it went. I, I'm not I'm not terribly optimistic, but I'm no. I you know there there could be some some positive uh, uh, effects in there somewhere. So that's uh, coming out on Thursday. Okay. I have. Uh, couple episodes of geektitude in the works one's coming out tomorrow so that will be the second half of my coverage of the mysterious galaxy bookstore birthday event uh and then next weekend i will be at phoenix comic-con and i will be appearing as a special guest at genie Koch's um evening erotica on friday night i believe from 7 30 to 10 I think I'll post it on my Twitter. Um, 
but that I will be there. So if you're in, if you're at Phoenix Comic Con next weekend, uh, you know, send me a tweet, say hi. And, you know, I'll, I'm happy to meet up and geek out with you. All right, and I will also be at Phoenix Comic Con. I'm very excited for that, so I'll probably see you at the Evening Erotica event featuring my mother-in-law. Um, that's not <laughs> weird. Uh, but a couple of shout-outs. Um, this episode's going up today. Wednesday, we have an episode with Chris Minnis, who is a bodybuilding promoter and a bodybuilding amateur competitor. So that was actually it was actually really fun talking to him. Uh, we do bring up My Little Ponies a little bit, uh, which is nice. great. I need to give a shout-out to... Um, Sky Matrix Gaming. These guys um, are putting together a podcast called the Dungeon Matrix, and it is a essentially a uh, Dungeons and Dragons podcast, fantasy podcast. Uh, they're currently doing a Kickstarter right now, so if you go to Kickstarter.com and search Dungeon Matrix. Season 2, that should pop up. You can also follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash sky, S-K-Y-E, Matrix Gaming. And I've been talking with these guys a little bit. Really cool, really fun idea. Um, if you need to catch up on Season 1, go ahead and catch up on Season 1. And other than that, for everyone listening out there, we will talk to you on the next one. Workout Nerd out. Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, workout nerd out.